call from Hollywood, California, the horror capital of the world, the Boulay Brothers, Creatures of the Night. Hello to all my little ghost goblins and Martians who are joining us, and welcome to the podcast. We are in Roswell, New Mexico tonight, and as always, I'm joined by the interstellar beauty herself and the other half of the Blay Brothers, the star-faring Swan Thula. Ooh. You <laughs> forgot Celestial Seer, but I'll take it. Well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> so we are still on the road traveling with the Blay Brothers Dragula Titan store, and we happen to be in Roswell, New Mexico for the night, which for those of you that don't know, is believed in conspiracy circles to be one of the first recorded UFO crash sites and government cover-ups in the United States. And they really don't give you a second to forget about it, do they? Because when you drive around Roswell or you go anywhere in Roswell, you're meted and greeted by an array of weird little green men, gray men, Martians smoking joint. They're literally everywhere. Yeah, every business seems to have a Martian on it. But outside of all that stuff, which obviously this is sort of a town that doesn't have a lot of industry, right? So they're capitalizing on the Martian craze as much as they can. Well, let's say UFO. I decided they were Martians, but still, (laughs) it's odd. If you overlook all that stuff on the surface, the fact is something strange did happen there a long time ago, and the town has definitely not let it go. As we said, part of it's probably because of the income that it brings into a town that otherwise no one would ever go to, even though it is beautiful there. But the other reason is that people really believe something happened there. And I think, you know, at this point, it's probably the most debated like UFO crash in history. But I think it's also been the most debunked one as well. We went there many years ago, back yeah. before the town was big, when it was still very small, when we were just fledgling UFO investigators. <laughs> and remember, we went there. and It has changed a lot. It's really grown. And when I say that, I want to give people the picture. I think the one Uber driver, the one of the three that we learned exist in Roswell. Yes, our Uber driver, Robert, told us that there are three Uber drivers in Roswell, and he didn't know where the other two were because he had been busy the whole day. Maybe they were abducted by aliens. Maybe they were. But he said that they were just about to reach the 50,000 population population mark, which I think he said for government contracts and for industry, that was a significant marker. But that's really just not that big. So years ago, I feel like the town had been a fraction of this size. It was so much smaller. Yeah. When we went there previously, and this was, God, 10, 15 years ago, it was much smaller we did not have any sort of GPS navigation or anything. We literally had a map, a map book, and then this old campground guide. Like, we were basically trying, we wanted to go see where the UFO, we were like, we're going to go literally look at where mm-hmm. this UFO crashed. It's a very unremarkable site. There's not much to it. That's where I earned my alternate drag name, Miss Mary Map, because I was in charge of the maps. <laughs> There's another interesting tidbit about the town too right outside of town and we saw the sign for it mm-hmm. when we went back there is a park called the bottomless lakes and there's like five perfectly cylindrical shaped lakes that are in a circle that are supposedly bottomless they don't know how deep they are it's very weird for a town that is famous for ufo activity because it looks like it's not man-made that's for sure it definitely looks like it's extraterrestrial but little strange fact if you ever go out to roswell you should check it out So, yeah, what do you think? Okay, look, we've been out there. I don't want to waste too much time on this, but we are in Roswell, so we should, like, delve into it for a minute. When we went there the first time, I bought it. 
right? I bought it. Like we had talked to some old people that were alive when it happened and they said that they saw things and that it was real. Mm -hmm. Now, when we went back this time, I personally no longer think that it happened. What about you? Which didn't surprise me because back then I was like, "Mm mm-hmm. Cute. Yeah, right. And I did love the magic that surrounds Roswell because geologically and just geographically, it's really interesting. It's so remote and there's like crystal shops and there's a huge kind of like hippie subculture, you know, very like new agey and astrological and stuff, which I'm attracted to. But I really wasn't buying into the alien crash abduction of it all. Um, But this time I was kind of spellbound by the museum, which we went back to. And it's a seven dollar admission and it's worth all of seven dollars. No more. Not a penny more more because she cheap. (laughs) She a little broke down. (laughs) She cheap. But it is it's an entertaining. And there are a lot of facts there. And this time I was kind of swayed. I was like, Actually, you know, something had to have happened here. Well, something did happen, but whether or not it was extraterrestrial, I think, is a question. And I I do not believe it anymore. I don't. I think it was a I think they were sort of probing for Russian nuclear activity. It was like at the at the dawn of the nuclear age. And, you know, I think a law had just passed or something like a couple months earlier. And I think it was just like a hotbed for like nuclear suspicion. And that's why they were covering everything up is because they did not want anyone to know that the they were testing for that stuff. So they said it was a weather balloon, which everyone knew was false. So that's why it made it seem even more like it Suspect. was a UFO. See, I don't know. Like there were peripheral reports, like one from the LA Times and the Chicago Tribune. There were sightings within the same couple of years that the Roswell incident was supposed to have happened, where whatever it was, thousands of people, there are historical pictures of these incidences where unidentified objects were just hovering over major cities in the US. So- It just, I don't know, it makes you think, and I like to believe it. I believe that there are extraterrestrials, but I don't necessarily believe, I don't know if this one was one of those, but it is interesting the way that time does erode history, because when we were there, and it was only, you know, what, 10, 15 years difference, but it was different. I feel like there was more people around that were like, hey, I actually witnessed this, or hey, my neighbor was on the farm next door and saw stuff. This time it wasn't very, it wasn't mm. like that. It was more like younger people who had moved in and were, had like watched the Roswell TV show and were trying to jump in on it. So yeah. a little more distant and a little less believable. But anyways, the whole reason we're in Roswell in the first place is because we are on tour. So should we give our listeners a little update on the Blade Brothers Dragula Titans tour? Of course. I mean, I think we have like sort of gallivanted and trounced over like three quarters of North America. I think the tour has been so supercharged and amazing. It's a way for us to reconnect with our fans from coast to coast and sort of all over North America from Orlando to Toronto to Austin. And here we are on our way to Phoenix. It's just been amazing. Yeah. My favorite part of the tour so far has been reconnecting with the competitors because, well, they're no longer competing. They're stars from the show now, but you know, one of the things we would tell them is, hey, you get wrapped up in the social media of it all as the show's airing. And and I'm like, when this is over, no one cares about that stuff. Nobody cares about your love triangle or that you fought each other or whatever it might be, or that someone played a comedy track behind you, Astrid. <laughs> now that you're here, you're going to see that they love you and they're just fans of you. And, and, you know, I think they're seeing that and that makes me happy because it means that what we told them wasn't bullshit after all, which I didn't think it was. But, you know, it happens every year. Like it renews my faith that that is the case and that that's why we're doing it. So, you know, they made their impact on fans. Fans love them. And I'm proud to say they have all been incredible performers and have delivered incredible stage shows, which is something I'm so proud of our brand for because we do not put out flops. 
We do not put out flops. <laughs> there may be one or two that have snuck through, but for the most part, we do not produce flops. And we train our drag queens, kings, and everything in between to be amazing stage performers. And I'm proud to say that they are all living up to that. Oh, I'm double tripling down on that. And I've always said it, the best way to experience drag is live. And you just can't match the energy. And it's been so like electrified and supercharged every night. From Melissa being the first guest star to Erica, Astrid, Eva has joined the cast now. And the list is just going to go on and on until we get to the final dates. I'm just so excited. And the fans are too. You can feel it every night. Yeah. You know, we say things on the show like, Kendra is such an incredible performer. And there's not a lot of opportunity to see that on the season of Titans. Or it's also hard to see that on video. But when you're in Kendra's presence and you get to experience it, you also come to realize that. And I think the fans are doing that too. So I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy for Astrid too. Astrid like really got wrapped up in the whole internet of it all yeah. when the show was coming out and you know, what's real, what's not, what's reality TV. And I'm like, just shut the fuck up. Who cares? Like have fun. <laughs> and I think now Astrid's they're stealing doing the that. show. Yeah. yeah Astrid, oh my God. There, there were a few nights Great where the response applause. has been, oh my God, so good. I was so nervous when they came out with that sword. I was like, oh God, whose head's getting cut off? But it didn't happen. <laughs> but what about this Sade strip show? <laughs> yeah, I, I was suspect, but when I heard Sade, now I personally love Sade and I always have like a spellbinding voice, but I was like, does Sade really belong in Dragula world? And apparently she fucking does. Yes. In it, the form of a lizard lady strip show. And it reminds me that Astrid is a musician because that Sade is like a kind of a unique choice. For, a choice selection. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And I, I was like, yeah, that's right. Astrid knows a lot about music. So anyways, tour has been great so far. And we're going to announce the UK date soon for those listening. We have something very special planned for the UK too. Um, <laughs> but if you haven't gotten your tickets yet for the rest of the US shows, definitely get them while you can. You will not regret it. I want to talk about Halfway to Halloween because Halfway to Halloween has come out since the last podcast. And I'm so thrilled. I just want to thank everyone at home who's listening for watching Halfway to Halloween and loving it. It was a, you know, a definite labor of love for us, but something that we had a great time doing. And I'm so happy that the fans loved it because that means we can do more now. So thank you at home if you watched and loved uh, Halfway to Halloween. And we will definitely be making more in the future. Just keep streaming it. Just keep streaming it over and over and over. Literally. Put it on in the background on repeat. Don't let it skip to Joe Bob or anything. Just keep it right there. Twirling and swirling on halfway to Halloween. And on that, you can let us sneak over to Titans for a minute, but bring it on back over. (laughs) And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Ian will be joining us for the rest of the show. All right, everyone, we are back. Ian, welcome to the show. And welcome to Roswell. Oh, sorry, everyone. I'm late. I was getting probed. You did not get probed. You didn't see any aliens. You hid in your hotel room all day today. Oh, my God. I know you're not feeling well, but you really missed out on some fake news. uh, Fake news. I mean, hi, from the fake news correspondent herself. herself. Um, Not herself. Wait, before we go any further... I need my tinfoil hat. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think that the reason why I'm not feeling super well is because last night I got abducted and I just, I don't have those memories. That might be true. It was you lined up with two cows and. Oh, and and mama, let me tell you, cows got six stomachs and I was like, I could do better than that. They all had mommy mommy milkers. (laughs) (laughs) My mommy mummy milkers. (laughs) 
So you didn't see any alien stuff. Did you see the alien in the lobby at least? I did. I did. I saw the alien in the lobby and I have to give a special shout out to the alien in the lobby because the alien in the lobby has a little name tag and it's Carlos. And I was like, oh my God, this is exactly where we have to record the podcast. Drac and I were downtown and there's like these weird little green alien like tracks like painted on the sidewalk. Oh that my God. Really cute. That take is... you to some strange places. Let me tell you. That's so cute. I am actually like very bummed that I didn't get to go out and see anything because I was on my like alien sick bed because the only time that I've been to Roswell is I was passing through on a road trip one time and it was like pitch black and of course hi it's middle of the night but I was like ain't nothing to do here like what the <laughs> fuck but I mean hi obviously like it was the middle of the night no but yeah. everything closes down at like, like five o'clock too it's easy to miss I was like what oh, four o'clock oh my god this is reminding me where I think we were in St. Louis question mark where there was a hotel that we stayed at called like the moonwalker or the moon landing or, or something rise oh yeah oh, the yeah. moon rise and it was all like space and moon themed I don't know there's like a weird a celestial theme to this trip alien theme maybe we'll use it as inspiration for what we're working on now doesn't see no little green men running around okay so the time has finally come (gasps) for us to fulfill our promise and our destiny to review (laughs) yellow jacket season two that's right and it's worked out perfectly because there's five episodes out now and they're on a two-week break Mm -hmm. so for the first time in Creatures of the Night history, we're actually ahead of the curve. Get into that. <laughs> and give it up for us, everyone. Yes. You know, we do a lot. We get, it's true. You know. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. so let's let's catch up. This is what I think we should do if you all are cool with it. I think we should kind of talk about our feelings about the show in two sequences, right? We have our sequences that are situated in the past, and then we have the other half of the show situated in the present. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the past first, and then we'll go on to the present, right? I love this format. Let's do it. Bravo, yeah. Drac. Okay, definitely. so just to kind of catch people up quickly on some major plot points. So here in the past, Shauna has been spending time with Jackie's body, who we know is dead <laughs> due to Shauna. Uh, and the group starts to get uncomfortable with it. There's the whole, you know, they find her putting makeup on her very creepy, and we'll talk about that. That makeup, very homophobic. They accidentally <laughs> barbecue Jackie and eat her body. Then we have Thaisa having visions and night walking. There's the symbols on the trees and all that. The girls start to split between two camps as far as leadership. We have Lottie, who seems more spiritual, and Natalie, who's more the hunter, who, by the way, doesn't actually ever hunt anything, but we'll get to that later. Okay, more on that later. (laughs) Javi is found, so the long-lost brother has been located and brought back to camp, and we'll talk about that, too. And then we have Misty and Crystal's developing, blossoming friendship, which (laughs) I can't wait to talk about. (laughs) Culminates in tragedy. So let's start at the beginning. So obviously, we've talked a lot about Jackie and them, you know, we thought they were going to eat her and everything. And they did. Say it. Say it. And they did eat her. Say it. I'll leave it to you, (laughs) Curse, to say what you want. But so they finally ate her. Were you all surprised that there was no discussion or no argument or split between the camp? Like they're all just like, yep, let's eat her. I wasn't surprised. And again, I think we've seen this throughout the first season of Yellow Jackets and now it's continuing through the second season. There's something, there's like what's happening and then reality kind of goes off the rails and like the supernatural and like this other world sort of like imprints on their world and they act out of sorts. So we saw that during the sex scene of last season when they mm-hmm. kind of got taken over and, and just almost like acting like out of sorts, unlike themselves. So I think it was, it's like a collective frenzy, like the feeding orgy. And th- this time it was consuming food instead of consuming 
in a sexual way that, that we saw in season one. It wasn't that surprising to me at all. I will say this. I was not surprised, but I was shocked at the way it was handled. I think that they do a really good job in episode two of sort of developing the sense of like, this is dire. Everyone is hungry. They're, you know, everyone's kind of fighting over like, oh, well, her piece of food is bigger than mine. And like, oh, well, where is, where is Shauna? Like, she's supposed to bring the meat. And so by the time that they cook snacky, I was Yay. like, I mean, I'll, listen, as a, sad. <laughs> as a late night snacker myself, <laughs> when the call of the wild comes to you, I like literally I'll be in front of the fridge. I'll wake up like Thaisa and I'm like, feed. So not surprised. Okay, so. I thought they were splitting the camp, so I thought maybe there was going to be this moral side, and then they were hinting around. I can't remember his name. The the, gay the guy with no leg. I thought <laughs> they were setting him up to maybe protest. You know that didn't yeah. happen either. They were all just like, "Yep, let's eat." And but I was he like, okay. he was the one person who didn't partake. He mm-hmm. didn't partake, but he didn't really protest either. Which I think I'm one of you mentioned. It seems like he's lining up to be meal number two. Which brings me to a question. Okay. okay, so they're like, "We're starving," and they're like. Jackie, what we're going to eat her and Jackie would have wanted this. She would have wanted to sacrifice herself so that we didn't die. And I'm like, that's one meal. You've been out here Mm -hmm. for months. That's one meal tomorrow. You're going to be very fucking hungry and nobody bothered to keep any of it. I don't know. What do you all think of that? That's the one part that I am. I'm annoyed with our girls because hi, they haven't eaten in weeks or months. Like we're not really sure how long it's been since their last full meal. But everyone is just kind of going ham. And at a certain point, I'm like, okay, you've already snacked on the toes. You've already like eaten her eyelids or whatever. Like someone should have been like, okay, now wait, pause, maybe save some of this for later. And they just, I mean, like down to the, like the gristle mama. Yes. I don't know though. My suspension of disbelief was fine to say, hi, there's like 10 of them. Snacky was not a big girl, so it wouldn't be. It wouldn't, everyone w- wouldn't be having like all you can eat buffet style portions here. But also, I think there's another element too. It was almost like this internal kind of moral struggle, and they all lost that struggle. I think the only one mm. that failed was the one legged gay coach guy inside, like gagging. <laughs> but everyone else was like, gagging, I- "I'm honey. not." <laughs> she was gagged, uh, but they're not going to save some for later. I think even Thaisa didn't even realize it. And, and Van was like, um, you ate her face, which is oh. like, I was like, oh my God, what a moment. I don't think they would have been like, well, let me just save a little slice of her thigh and eat it tomorrow. I don't, I don't think they could have stomached that. I mean, <sighs> I don't know how necessary it is for it to be realistic. It's such a fantasy show and it's very campy. And so, you know, we accept a lot of things, but sometimes it steers a little into the fantasy, you know, where it sort of starts to undo the story to me i don't know yeah i guess i mean that's my my biggest thing is i've sort of wrestled with this in all of the episodes of season two as kind of a general is i feel like season one has a different tone than season two um i felt like the past and the present of season one both sort of rode that line of there was comedy at times but generally it was more intense and serious and kind of scary yeah But then in season two, I feel like things are much campier, kind of as evidenced by we have that sort of fantasy scene when they're eating or pretty much, and we'll talk about this, but everything I feel in the present timeline is ultra camp. And I'm not sure if that's a conscious decision or what, but that's just something I picked up on. They keep going out to hunt things and they never catch anything, right? So what do we think about that? Like what, I mean, maybe they should pick a different hunter or something, right? I think it's a vehicle of the writers to try to establish that Lottie's blessing is necessary because well, she Natalie didn't help him do it either. Natalie refuses the blessing. Yeah. Natalie is like, that's mumbo jumbo. Oh, I'm I not see. doing it. And then it positions the girls that are really kind of in the Lottie camp to be like, well, it's your fault. It's your fault. You're not catching anything because you weren't accepting Lottie's blessing. But the guy's and- accepting it and he's not getting anything either. I think 
that Swan is onto something where it's like that they're sort of positioning that. But I also do feel like as an audience, we are not there one for one. You know, we don't see every single moment. And I think that there are probably times where they do have semi-successful hunts where it's like, okay, cool, a rabbit or something. Well, they never show that though, which I think at this point they should, because especially later on, they get in this argument about, you know, do we, who do we think can bring more to the camp? Is it Lottie or, yeah. you know, and neither one of them really do anything, right? Right. Not in that instance. But yeah. I mean, they have the argument that, you know, Lottie's blessing, quote unquote, gives them all the, the birds. Yeah, right. Exactly. Which, okay. So that happened that, which is, I don't know that I would eat a weird diseased flock of birds, but But we've never been that close to starving either. That's true. Yeah. I don't know if a bird falls out of the sky and it's, you might be roasting her up real quick. I don't know. I have eaten several day old leftovers. I mean, (laughs) we're talking like beyond like fizzy leftovers. This whole hunting thing. Do you, do you all like the way this is being handled or what do you think? What do you mean? Okay, we're confused about, like, are they catching stuff or are they not? Like, do you feel like it's clear? Do you feel like it makes... I don't think it needs to be clear. I think think what needs to be clear is they're starving. Okay. And that's it. So whether they caught a deer or a rabbit yesterday and they don't have anything to eat today or tomorrow, like, they're they're starved to the point where they consume their dead friend. So what do we think about Jackie's makeup? (laughs) (laughs) That is the scariest thing of season two so far. (laughs) Iconic, truly amazing jump scare. Level one drag. I hope somebody... (laughs) I hope somebody goes as on Halloween as dead yes. Jackie with oh that clown Lord. makeup. It's so good. I mean, it, honestly, it's giving very like Leatherface in uh, Texas Chainsaw 2, yes. which is like, I mean, that's saying something. I love it. It's uh, so good. One of my favorite mean Greek, Greek quotes when someone came up to us, this was before oh, yeah. the episodes had rolled out. They're like, you were right about snacky. <laughs> so, okay. Then I think one of the other parts that stand out a lot is, Misty and Crystal's blossoming friendship and how that ends. <laughs> yeah. What do y'all think about that? I think Misty's the scariest character here. Like, even oh. though she's gone so campy this season, I mean, I think she's really scary. I agree with that. And to answer your question, Drac, I feel like I feel bad for Misty and Crystal because I kind of do feel like it's the one moment of like lightness in the past where it's kind of like, oh, these two losers among among this group are like they're friends now. But Oh my God. The scene where it's like, let's play or like, let's tell each other our deepest secrets. And then when Misty reveals that she destroyed the black box, I was like, this show has peaked right here. What a choice. (laughs) (laughs) And then she's, I mean, she's dead, right? Oh yeah. Did they show, I don't remember. Like, did they show Misty's grand performance of like, I lost her. She's gone. This is a storm. And it's completely like believable. And then they're out there. Oh my God. She does CPR on her and blood Blood. pours out of her mouth. Yeah. It's really like she's dead, dead. The whole group found her? No. uh, Misty finds her. Okay. Got it. Okay. So Crystal is dead now. Yes. Misty killed her. Mm-hmm. I mean, Basically. Did, right? Yeah. I mean, she's are they kind gonna, of responsible. Are they going to eat Crystal next? I think that question of like, where was like the moral dilemma is going to happen in the next episode? Because I think that the answer is yes, they are going to eat her. But with Snacky, it was survival. And now it's, we're presented with a choice. We've already done this once. Are we going to continue to do this? Wow. Because then mm. you start to be like, well, who's next? Right? Yeah. And also like, who is tastier? Oh my <laughs> well, they smoked Snacky, and I wonder what they're going to do with Crystal's body. Oh, Ooh. yeah, that's right. That was an Maybe accident. like a nice suit. It, but that was a mechanism of, like, the supernatural. Like, she was yeah. burning, and, like, Lottie had this moment, and then yeah. the wind moved through the trees, and then the snow, all that accumulated snow, like, all fell down and, like, 
doused the fire. So then it, she just smoked and mm-hmm. I, they smelled her like little, little white girl barbecue. <laughs> it's kind of weird because she had to have defrosted at some point. I don't know. I don't know enough about cooking and I don't know, defrosting, but yeah. it seems, I don't know. I love weird. the flashbacks though. Like uh, by and large, like going back to when they're children and seeing what happens, like how that unfolds is my favorite part of the show. I would agree. I think that if there are five segments in the show, four of the five for me are in the past. I think that the present is a little lacking. So let's move on to your favorite part of the show, the present. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I do have some yes. favorite parts in the present though. Okay. So in the present, I'm going to just say a couple of things and you all, if there's things that stood out yeah. to you, you know, add, but Taisa seeks out and finds Van. That seems to be a major storyline. Yes. Misty teams up with the Reddit Hobbit. That's another <laughs> one. Uh, Natalie is now kind of shacked up with Lottie at this wellness center. And she sort of seems like she's getting into it. it. Maybe there's something more to that, but I don't know. Yeah. Sean and her family continue to attempt to evade police. I'd like to start with that, yeah. if you don't mind, mm-hmm. and what you all thought of her, like, John Wick car jack moment. Like, is this stupid? or That what? was stupid. Like, I, <laughs> I felt like we, we leaned way into just dumb. My suspension of disbelief was questioned there. I'm like, that was just a strange moment. I think they could have handled it way better. Yeah, I agree. I think that Shauna's storyline is sort of like a weird butt of the joke sometimes. It's kind of like... Wah, wah, it's comedy, teehee. But then she has these really fun moments where she's like threatening the guy and is like, I really want to fucking shoot you and eat you. I'm like, okay, I want to love you still. Yeah, that was my favorite part of season two with Shauna. And the only thing that made me start to like her is when she had that moment when she was confronting the carjacker. And he's like, you're shaking, you know? And, and she was like, basically, it's because I really want to kill you. When she started talking oh about God. the oils from your skin and all that, that's when the guy was like, oh, holy shit, this lady really means it. Yeah, I think if you know your limits or if you have any kind of temper that maybe you've gotten under control in the past few years, you, <laughs> it's a relatable moment, you know? Because it's it takes a lot to sort of bring yourself down in those moments, I think. On that note, I just want to say that when in the past they were like, oh, we're not going to take her clothes. Like, okay, eh, wrong. They should have taken her clothes so they could have the warmth. But then also, they just cooked her with the clothes on. I'm like, now you got to eat all these fibers. I don't think that's Mm. nutritional. Well, I wondered that too, like going back to that. I forgot... Do you think it would have just burned off, though? Or, like, maybe it would have, right? I don't know. I mean, like, because I think that some of that would have maybe fused with her skin. But they were also peeling her skin. I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, that sports jacket would have definitely been, like, a melted hard okay, plastic Okay, that's layer. literally, that's exactly the piece of clothing I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like, I don't and know. And they made mama. it a point to leave it on her, too, remember? So I'm like, well, now you got to deal with the fact that it's melted on her. Anyways, um, <laughs> so Shauna's a ninja now. What do you all think about that? What about those fierce moves? (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? She wasn't giving ninja. Well, she battled this carjacker and got the gun from him. (laughs) Wait, I'm sorry. (laughs) For those of you who have not seen it, I feel like I have to like demystify this like track. You're making it seem like she does like a backflip and like Yeah, she cartwheeled out. (laughs) She might as well. It was just a glorified like slapped him with his her purse. (laughs) I mean, she basically did just slap him with a purse. Fine, fine. We'll excuse it this time, but you know it's gonna happen again. And Duh. then what are you all going to say? Um, <laughs> John Wick 5 starring Melanie Linsky. Exactly. So I do love this whole corrupt family, though. Like mm-hmm. it's now like not just Shauna and her husband, but it's also the daughter because she's been brought into the scandal. She's been like told the truth. And now she's trying to like mix up the facts with the police and sort of like help her mom. And I kind of love the corruption of all three of them. 
Well, you all thought they were going to kill her. Now, do you think that still or not? Are you I, one of you thought that? I, I thought they, it. Yeah, I you thought see that. It. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think so anymore. Now she's like been brought over to the dark side. Yeah, I think that I'm going to agree. I really love what's happening with their family dynamic because I feel like that is the part of the show that it's like, it's kind of a white lady show sometimes where it's like, hi, it's like family drama. But the fact that now Callie is sort of like, oh, I'm not actually like an angsty teen who's like vaping all the time. Actually, my parents respect me because I'm evil too. I'm like, oh, yay, yeah. happy family. Maybe they'll kill the uh, the cop. I could see that happening. I maybe. hope so. I hate her. Do you? Yeah, mustache cop is Ew. annoying. Very annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Ew, pedophile mustache cops suck. Maybe they're setting him up to be like that so that we won't get mad when he gets killed. Okay, so what do we think of Natalie and this lot? I mean, it's not that interesting, but what do you all think of that? I don't know yet. To me, it's kind of like to be continued. There's still like a pin in that grenade. Is Natalie there for reasons to kind of uncover Lottie? Obviously, she's like, she's taking advantage of all of you. And they're like, sweetie, everybody know. Now leave us so I can slap her, you know? And that and that's what happens. And I kind of think Natalie may be going through some type of healing and they have this connective tissue with Travis's death and what that meant. Because we see young Lottie really kind of like tied to Travis's fate and Javi's fate. And that's part of like the the Natalie- Lottie kind of like competition, I guess, rivalry. And we see it playing out now in the present. But for me, what I started to suspect in episode four kind of like solidified in episode five, which was there's this supernatural presence that haunted them and kind of was part of their survival when they were young that has now kind of like resurfaced in their adult lives. Mm -hmm. And it needs blood. Like it literally like takes like kind of blood sacrifices when they slice each other's hands or someone dies oh, it's like yeah because she's are, like lottie's like let that be enough you like, let it be enough right and mm-hmm. i think like what's gonna happen with this baby i think we've talked about it before like lottie's whispering like you'll change everything and sean is freaking out and i'm like whether or not the daughter is like the baby that was born in the woods or not like is that shauna's child that was you know birthed in the woods i'm thinking maybe not and Maybe that sacrifice is the child will die and maybe they get rescued. I think you said that, Drac, like once upon a time. All I'm saying is baby back ribs. <laughs> oh, you think they're going to eat the oh, baby? Oh, they are mama. They are finna eat oh, that baby. God. Just mm-mm-mm. <clears throat> that Do you think they're going to start serious. having sex? All of them are going to start having sex with the guy so that they have babies and they're going to keep eating them? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I Shauna mean, so- did it first. We can do it now. Um, <laughs> it's my turn to ride traffic. <laughs> oh, my God. Which I would think, wouldn't that be happening anyways? Anyways, I'm not going to get into that. They're young. But, yeah. I don't know. That, uh, it's yeah, cold. they're young. Anyway. it's cold that's the big well, one that's, that, that's a good, it's cold and there's no shower so maybe not okay i will say on that note though they are bathing and washing their clothes actually way more frequently than i would expect which yeah. i'm very pleased because <laughs> as someone who like i'm like i can't deal <laughs> wait i literally thought you were gonna say they are bathing and washing their clothes way more than i am on this door <laughs> okay that's actually the fucking tea though sometimes i'm literally looking at my bag and i'm like well, if I just rewear this shirt inside out, maybe I can survive until the next time there's laundry. <laughs> okay, true or false? All of us have looked in our overpacked bag and said, "Why did I bring all that shit when I just wear this these couple of things like not over me. And over? Oh, oh, really? There's oh a couple of I items. I got like five items. I'm, we're oh. not talking about this on the okay. podcast. Anyway, anyway, um the only thing I say I'll say about Lottie is I'm having to sort of rewrite my own internal narrative because after season one, I really thought that we were going to say, hey, Lottie is the antler queen and Lottie is this destructive, chaotic force. Yeah. And Lottie has really pivoted into this sort of like 
one of the girls. You know, she's one of our main characters and you want to root for her, which is cool. I like it. But I also was fully invested in like Lottie is our big bad. Yeah, I thought the same thing. And I love the idea of Lottie as the big bad, but I also love her as like maybe like the most tortured by this relationship with this presence, this other queen. Let's get back to the present day. So what do we think is happening with like Thaisa and Van? Like Thaisa comes to find Van. She needs her help. She's having these visions. One thing I want to ask you is, I guess she's just like a terrible person, right? She's like, I'm just going to leave my kid there. My wife's in the hospital. Don't really care either. I'm going to go find Van. And just leave them all. Like, was that kind of weird or not? Yeah, totally weird. I mean, I think that Thaisa is 100% unhinged. Like, she's not doing well at all. I think she's in the middle of a mental health crisis where taking care of herself is something she can't even manage. So there's no way she could take care of anyone else. I do also think that, like, I believe that they are catching some level of food. I think that there are so many storylines that it's like, they sort of leave it up to the audience to say, hey, like kind of fill in the gaps a little bit because there's just so many storylines they can't, it's only 45 minutes of a show, you know? Like, do I think that maybe Taisa's wife's mother or, you know, parents are taking care of the kid? Probably. Someone's got to be there, question mark. No, no, no. It's just kind of weird because they made the kid such a point. And remember the principal was like, hi, your kid's sitting here in my office. Are you going to come get him? And she's like, oh my God, oh my God. And they go get him. And then she's like, well, now I'm just going to leave him there for like, a month. What? I don't think that a kid is still at the principal's <laughs> office. No, I mean, like, but just leave it like, wait, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of weird because they made the kid a, a sticking point and their family and everything. And now yeah. it seems like she doesn't care. I Again, know. I think that was to illustrate her mental state. Like, yeah. hi, the kid never really showed up at her house. Like she made up the and her like political career. Like she just like nobody would be wondering where is she? Well, she's already talked to her assistant once and, you know, they, they've sort of tied it a little bit. But I don't know. I guess this is sort of like how I love Shauna. Like Taisa and Van is my favorite storyline in the present. I love them. I love where they're going. And my prediction is that together they are going to do some chaotic shit. Like, like I, what? Like for what? I don't really know, but it kind of feels like in the past, Van is almost like willing to say, hey, like there is something that's inside of you. There's a darkness and like, or there's just something that's bigger than all of us. Like, let's work together. And the relationship is kind of toxic in that way. And I feel like they're both really messed up in the present timeline. She's like, Van is addicted to Oxy. Thaisa is losing it. And she's like, you're the other one. And she's not freaked out. She's like turned on. Which I'm I like, live for. I live. Which I, I thought love that it. was so exciting. It's like if Thaisa's a Gemini and there's two sides to her, Van speaks to both of them freely yeah. and kind of gets into it, which I love. And I so love what do you Lauren think is happen with them? There's something that Thaisa knows deep down. The show has taught us that, that she refuses to acknowledge kind of the opposite. Like Lottie knows and she readily acknowledges it. And I think these two are kind of like the key to talking communicating, receiving messages from like this dark entity, whatever it is. All right. So in conclusion, are you all enjoying where Yellow Jackets is going so far on season two? Yeah, I am really enjoying it. I think the camp, if someone told me last season, like season two is going to be campy, I don't think I would have been excited by that idea, but it doesn't bother me. I'm still fully invested in the show. How about you? I'm back. I stand by episode one. It's not my favorite, but I am back. And when I found out that it was, oh my gosh, I'm caught up. I was like, oh, I can't wait for the next one, which makes me feel good because I love our yellow jackets. I love our bumblebees. A two week break is just making me salivate more over. Yeah, totally. I agree. I'm enjoying it as well. Of course, I want to know what happens. I mean, 
I'm not into the, and I can't remember his name, but in the present day, Misty and the Reddit Hobbit, I'm not into that. I don't like it. I don't know why. I feel like it makes her character like less likable or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's kind of rom com and weird, which just I don't know. It doesn't fit in this world to me, but I do overall. I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to it. But for now, that's the end of our Yellow Jackets movie review or TV show review, I should say. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dig into answering all of your listener questions. Stay tuned, uglies. We're back, and now it's time to answer some of your listener questions. Remember, if you have any burning questions that you've been wanting to ask us about Dragula or any of our other projects, you can write to us at creatures at belaybrothersdragula.com, and we will read your question and answer it live on air. Ian, will you do the honor of choosing and reading this episode's questions? It would be my pleasure. Anna from Damaris UK writes, what would you do if you had a partner who didn't like you doing drag? I hmm. think the PC thing to say would be they should support you in everything you do and blah, 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 blah. My feeling is if you hadn't already been doing drag and you decided to start doing drag and they didn't like it, I think you should consider that because it definitely changes your relationship a bit, I would say. Like that, I, I think, especially depending, you know, I think queer men and women both sort of like deal with the idea of gender identity and things, you know, and, uh, and your queerness and all that. And I think that that brings a new thing into the relationship that you should consider. I'm not saying you should give them all the space in the world on it or say, Oh, I'm not going to do it because they don't want me to, but it, it sh you should consider it. It's definitely something to spring on someone. What do you think? I think if they had an issue with me wig and me makeup, I would just share it and put them in drag, then they would realize how fierce and fabulous it is, and then we could both do drag together. Alessa from Eastern Europe asks, What surprising and non-drag-related skills do you have, inspired by drag referring to their ability to, quote, handle meat? <laughs> not say... Okay, yes! yes, go on, meat handler <laughs> queen! what I said... <laughs> What I said was I am familiar with hunting and butchering and those sorts of things. And we were talking about yellow jackets and I did say, I know about it, but not enough to know whether you could leave a body out in the cold and it would still not be rotten or not. <laughs> but I mean, I suppose that would be the surprising skills. I do have Wait, naturalist me... skills like That's... hunting and fishing and camping and surviving in the wild and mm -hmm. all sorts of farm skills. So that might surprise you. I thought it would be more fun if I pointed out skills for you that I think other people might not oh. know. Because you're also a wealth of knowledge when it comes to history. True. Yeah, Ooh. which I think, you know, not everybody has that gene. I, for one, do not. So when you come forth with your well of knowledge, it's impressive. Your 1902 gene. <laughs> your acid wash your Levi's 1902s <laughs> yes. let me think no you say your skills that they might surprise you and then I'll say them I don't know I'm kind of like one of those people that have like a lot of skills but master of none maybe because I can build things I can paint draw sculpt I can dance very well. Like, I'm not sure uh, what might be surprising to, to listeners, though. I think you have a ton of skills that are surprising, but like, it's almost like a, a carpentry. I don't know how I would say it. It's like, 
a know-how to do stuff when it comes to like building or landscaping or anything. I feel like you can do anything like that. It's always like, cause you know, like I can be a little judgmental at times, <laughs> and, like, control freaky about things, but I always know if there's a task like that, that you take on, I never have to worry about it and you'll do it better than I do. I'm like, I, you got it. And I could be like, Hey, uh, so I kind of want to bust out our door, our front door of the house and put two big double doors. Why don't you do that? And I know you'll do it and it'll look great. Thank you. So it's true. I think you have a lot of skills when it comes to that sort of thing. God, I know you have a lot of skills. You never, you're not the type of person that'll say you can do something when you can't. If you say you're going to do it, you do it and you do it well. So I know that covers a lot of different things. Nick from New Hampshire asks, I was curious if the two of you had any plans to possibly release a self-help or advice book at some point. I read and listen to a lot of interviews that you both have done, and I often find that you both have insightful advice to share from your life experiences and personal viewpoints that is beneficial to how I deal with conflict and negative feelings in my own life. There might be some other minion of darkness who might benefit as well if shared in book form. I love this question because this is not the first time we've heard comments like this. A lot of times people that come to meet us in the meet and greet will say the show or our messages really got them through a dark time or pulled them through something that they thought that maybe they weren't able to get through alone. And someone else said, probably one of my favorite things, uh, someone, if I remember correctly, they were a professor of some kind and they said, I love your show for all these reasons. It's artistic and all these things that the queer aspect and everything, but you specifically as judges, when I see you, I don't think judge, I think mentor. And I think that's what we kind of try to do. That's the angle that we come from. Life is not easy. And I wish I had messaging when I was young from someone that I say, hey, you can relate to where I come from. And I think that's what we tried to provide to others. So maybe we'll have to write a book about it. I don't know. I feel like there's people that are probably much more insightful and wise than I am. I'm not going to say us, but because I feel like most of what we know or preach is sort of just like, hi, you experience a lot of hardships and struggles and different things and you sort of learn what doesn't work and what does or how to be tolerant of people or not. But I don't know. I, I wouldn't think that that's our specialty. I mean, I'm happy that people find wisdom in what we say, but I feel like, I don't know, there's definitely people out there maybe more qualified for that. <laughs> Jerry from Indonesia writes, I want to ask if there are any possibilities of a Titans tour in Asia or maybe a season five tour. Oh, Jerry from Indonesia. I do love that question because I love the idea of that happening. And I think Hoso would be the key because Hoso has told us that they've started viewing parties and there's a huge market and a huge fan base in Asia, in South Korea, also in Japan. And they're kind of popping up all over. Most recently, too, last year, the show was licensed in the Philippines. So I think the the mantras and the gospels of drag, filth, horror, and glamour are spreading east. My hope is that those possibilities for a tour would actually culminate hopefully for season five yeah i would love that that would be if i could pick a place in the world i would love the tour that would be it though i do think the shows there and the expectations of drag shows are very different than they are in, in other regions someone tried to book us for a philippine show and they were like okay you know it's a, like a two and a half hour show and you have to be up there i was like two and a half hours you want the two of us to be up there for two and a half hours doing what <laughs> You know, and I, I mean, I thought about it and I kind of wanted to rise to the occasion. The booking didn't end up working out, but I think it's a different expectation. So we'd probably have to adjust it, but I would love to do it. So hopefully let's keep our fingers crossed. Jacob from Albuquerque, New Mexico writes, 
I saw the Titans tour in Dallas recently, and it was amazing. But my question is, when are you going to do a show in New Mexico? And second question, how is the tour while handling all your other projects that you have in development? The New Mexico question? I don't know. I guess it had to, you know, prove that there was a big enough market. I don't know how they figure out, you know, the tour company. I don't know how they figure out what regions they want to tour in or not. But little secret here. I think New Mexico is one of the most beautiful states in the country. So gorgeous. I love New Mexico. So, of course, I'd love any chance to come back there. You're lucky to live there. As far as how we juggle all of our other projects... I don't know how we juggle it either. It's just like, I look back a couple <laughs> months later well, and I'm like, well, we did it, but I don't know how. Like right now, everybody's so creative. <laughs> See how you're doing three different jobs at once and maybe you're going to die and maybe you're not. I mean, that's kind of what I feel like. So we do our best and I don't know, somehow it always comes out. Right? Yeah. I'll have to say this. The tour itself is like a fun roller coaster that we get to ride like every night or every other night. And I can push all of the other projects out of my mind and just be present on the tour. And that is nice. See, I can't do that. And I I think like even today, right. I'm like thinking about being, we're all on the bus. All the competitors are up front. All the stars from the show. I shouldn't say competitors. All the stars from the show are up front in the bus. You're up there having coffee. You're all hanging out with the tour people. Everyone's doing stuff. Ian's in his bunk dead. And you know, (laughs) I'm back in the room, like typing away, doing interviews and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, damn, man, I'd love to just be able to like enjoy the tour. But then I think if I wasn't doing this stuff, this tour would not be happening, you know? So I don't know. I'm more talking about like when the show is happening, like it's a nice little sidestep. Like when we're actually, when we're actually on stage, the actual, the, the touring show. Yeah. That's, it's challenging sometimes to be present, but one thing I want to say that when we were talking about the tour earlier that I'd like to point out is the meet and greet is actually fueling me this time. Oh, but nice. Yeah. Sometimes we'll go to the meet and greet and before we go out there, I'm like, Oh, I'm tired today. <laughs> I am tired today. But then when I see people and they're so excited to meet us and they're so excited for the show and I'm like, they're here because of what we've created and I'm going to give them the best show I can tonight. So yeah, thank you all for, for, you know, coming to the meet and greet and supporting us and telling us all those things because it definitely helps. We're out of time for this episode of the Belay Brothers Creatures of the Night. I want to thank you all for joining us and please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you listen to the podcast. Or you may have bad luck for seven years. Until next time, uglies. The Boulay Brothers Creatures of the Night is hosted by the Boulay Brothers with their co-host and producer, Ian DeVogler. Engineered and mixed by Carlos Bueno with music by Neuron Spectre.